Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Christian Wajaya, who is the founder and CEO of Jonah Jones Consulting. They are trying to help people realize their dreams through software development. In this week's tech news, of course, the biggest news items are related to the coronavirus. A company called Exabeam announced that two of their employees were exposed to coronavirus during last month's RSA conference. RSA is the world's largest security conference here at Moscone Center in San Francisco. Although they proactively announced that their two employees were confirmed to be infected, RSA itself has not yet announced that they know about these two individuals. So please take precautions. E3, the world's largest video game and esports show, also announced that they're being canceled. And here are what a few companies are doing to mitigate the fact that they can't be at the show anymore. Microsoft announced that they're going to do a digital event. Electronic Arts already did their digital event called EA Play. And Ubisoft, which ironically comes out with a post-apocalyptic game called The Division and Wrath Dogs, they said that they will be putting up a video stream event to replace not going to E3. The cybersecurity industry is interesting enough wondering about what they're going to do now that you can't do events, you can't really get the word out. Investors think that cybersecurity firms will be facing a tough time trying to get people to use their products while the coronavirus pandemic is out there. A cybersecurity firm Watchdog found that NIH and the National Institutes of Health have continuing weaknesses in being able to protect their patient data. They said that although NIH has been working for years and trying to make things more secure, the auditors found that there's still a long way to go to make sure that the patient records are safe. An ex-Department of Homeland Security official, the acting inspector general, was allegedly stealing proprietary software from DHS and then trying to resell it back to the government. Charles K. Edwards and one of his subordinates was arrested, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with that case. And finally, lawmakers are very concerned that while they're trying to increase child safety, tech firms continue to try to ensure that their systems are not just unhackable, that there aren't any back doors that the government can get into. So this is a question between public safety and privacy rights. This will be a multi-year battle, and I'll continue to stay on top of it. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Christian Wajaya, who is the CEO of Jonah Joe Consulting. Welcome, Christian. It's great to be here. Keith, thank you so much. So I really have to spend a little extra time explaining um, Christian and what he does. Christian and I go way back, and Christian has a long history in enterprise software development, working for such companies like Oracle and then Rocket Lawyer before starting his consulting firm. And I really wanted to impress upon you that you can actually live the dream. You can actually work in a corporate job and think about 
wanting to jump off and start your own thing. And that's why I have Christian here with us. So Christian, why don't we go a little bit deeper into your background? How did this all begin? Sure, yeah. Prior to uh, starting my own consulting company, I was in large companies such as Oracle for a long time and then also PayPal for six years and then other companies like Rocket Lawyer, as you said. But uh, what I what I found about myself was that I was working in all these companies and I learned a lot of things. I learned things about larger companies, enterprises, but I also learned things about startups, being a Rocket Lawyer and other uh, startups before that. And then I just thought, uh, you know what? I really want to help other companies with my collective experience from these large and small companies, helping them succeed, and particularly at the technology side of things, because I kind of learned already how to bring products to market, bring, bringing up MVPs, and I learned a lot in all these companies. So my uh, making of this company, my starting my own company started just with the desire to help other companies with my experience. Right. And I think that's a great story. It's similar to when I left corporate wanting to help out enterprises negotiate deals, but then as startups started uh, coming into the fold and understanding their unique challenges, realizing there was a lot to offer a fledgling company. Um, and that's what I really like about what Jonah Joe's doing is that you're really helping startups think about how to develop products and with your company's ability to create, um, in essence, technology for them. Yes, that's right. So uh, really quick, what is how did the name Jonah Joe come about? That's a great question. A lot of people ask me that. Jonah Joe actually consists of the first names of my three kids, Joshua, Nadia, Joey. And it really came about with this idea that I wanted to leave a legacy for my children. And um, I actually have an uncle who did the same thing with his kids. And I thought, well, let's see if this name was available. <laughs> Joshua, Nadia, Joey, Jonah, Joe. And sure enough, everything was wide open. The domain name was available. There was no trademarks yet, so I just grabbed it, registered it, and uh, trademarked it. So That's great. And, and that's actually a really good piece of advice for those of you considering starting your own thing. Um, absolutely go through the trademark process. It's always good to own your brand. So what are some of the projects that Jonah Joe's worked on so far? Well, we have worked on uh, various different projects in all kinds of industries from things like real estate, to ocean freight shipping, to even things like games. And uh, one of the most recent things that we have worked on is uh, something in the makeup industry, in effect, for a brand called uh, Revlon, which uh, most of you might know. Uh, we created an uh, augmented reality app, which basically allowed people to try on lipstick at the Revlon kiosk without actually having to try the physical product. So that saves a lot of money and saves a lot of waste. Oh, it's great. And in terms of the work you did for Revlon uh, for augmented reality, were you handling um, the software for the application? Were you handling actually the software that went into the AR itself? We handled uh, both, uh, everything on the software side, just okay. building the application as well as the algorithm what it would take to render the uh, lipsticks on the lips. Oh, that's really cool. And I think of lots of different companies that are uh, trying to incorporate AR and VR into their into their products. Yeah, I see that a lot these days. Uh, um, I think the try-before-you-buy model is something that a lot of companies try. Even Ikea and other companies are doing that. And I can imagine uh, one of the side effects with all of the fear around the coronavirus going on right now, I can imagine 
uh, more companies like Revlon wanting to adopt similar approaches because people are, are going to be avoiding retail outlets. Right, absolutely. Uh, you you don't really want to or need to try things on physically, and AR can definitely help you with that. Yeah, especially products like lipstick where you got those testers like in the old days. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. So what are um, some of the projects, and I know we'll talk a lot more about it in the show, but what are some of the products uh, that are in the pipe right now? So right now we have a couple of things in the works. So uh, we, besides actually working on projects for our clients, which we cannot divulge too much about because sure. all of them are startups. We also have a line of products that we created our own for our own for our own R and D and just research. So um, one of the projects that we created is actually a really fun one. It's a it's a mobile game. Uh, this uh, was actually this is a game that originated from our trips to Japan sometime last year. We were just walking around and we went to this museum. It was a old toy museum in Nara. Um, over there, we discovered this ancient strategy game called Juroku Musashi, which really means 16 warriors. My son and I were playing it, and he found it very entertaining. And I was just thinking, wow, why does this game not exist anymore? We Googled it, and we could only find it in museums. So then I thought, you know, I want to revive this game and... Uh, bring it back to the 20th century. And right there, we're going to pause so we can come back later to talk yeah. about how you revive that game. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm joined with my friend Christian Wajaya, who is the CEO of Jonah Joe Consulting. They develop applications for startups, enterprises, and themselves. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about today's show, email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And I'll be right back with more of Christian. Stay tuned. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Christian Wajaya, who is the CEO of Jonah Jones Consulting. We're learning all about his background, his early days in enterprise companies like Oracle, PayPal, and Rocket Lawyer, and we're also learning about what he and his company does. Welcome back, Christian. Thanks. Good to be back. So, Christian, this is a question we get all the time, and I thought it'd be something great to pass on to you. Uh, we get a question, especially from people thinking about starting their own thing. How much does it cost to create an app? Well, Keith, that is such a great question, and I get uh, I get this question all the time. Well, most of the time, it, there's no direct answer to that because what I need to know from whoever is asking this question is, what is it exactly that they want to achieve? Right? I mean, I, I can give some ranges, but uh, oftentimes when a person asks me what does it costs to build an app, there are all sorts of questions that come to mind. For example, is this just an app that exists on the phone itself or where there, are there going to be users? Is there going to be a database with it? Is this going to be just on Android or or also on iPhone? And uh, you know, what, what, how many users are going to be using this at the same time? Because there are a lot of questions of scaling and complexity that, that are involved, right? And let alone special technologies like augmented reality, if they come into play or not, right? If you have a plain vanilla app that just shows something very simple versus like other augmented reality stuff, then the, the range is much wider. Yeah. 
Thanks, Christian. And that's just a really great explanation that when you get those types of questions, which are natural questions, how much is it going to cost me to build something, that it really does depend on what you're trying to build. Uh, One of the things that we recommend with my company, Guardian Insight Group, when we help direct people to people like you, Christian, is that also when you think about your idea, you don't need to build the entire product first. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually you can do what's called wireframing or storyboarding or um, even before an MVP, a minimal viable product, you can think about putting together some type of pilot to demonstrate to potential investors that you actually have a good idea. Yeah, that's right. In fact, in the what we often like to do is we like to do design first uh, product development in which we actually design major parts of the product already before even writing a single line of code just to make sure that the user interface and the user experience that one could experience through this product is in fact something that will solve the problem that will delight users. Otherwise, it's just a waste of time and money to go into that direction. Yeah, I think this is an important point because I really want to help people live their dream. And oftentimes, time, money are two variables that limit you to whether you can achieve those dreams. And by really thinking about it in the same way the movie industry produces movies, even Disney starts off with an idea and a storyboard before they actually commit to animation. Uh, That is really important because if you think about, well, instead of needing X number of dollars to get to a product that I'm selling, I can use less money to come up with really working on, as you put out, the the design element. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, at Intuit, we should say design for delight or, you know, using other types of methodologies like lean startup, um, things that you can iterate quickly on deciding whether it's a good idea or not. That's right. So what's some other advice that you have uh, with regards to people thinking about developing an app? So one of the things that I always advise people who have an idea is, first of all, um, what is the market opportunity for this idea? Because sometimes people have certain ideas, but... Um, I don't know if they even have done a competitive analysis <laughs> or <laughs> whether there are any other similar ideas that are already out there because, you know, even though I'm happy to do it, I wouldn't want my clients to waste their money, right? So that's one of the things that I always stress people to do, to look at the business side of things and and uh, test whether there is a real market for it. I think that's one of the hardest things when I talk to startup founders or future startup founders mm-hmm is that there are lots of ideas. And sometimes the ideas are great ideas, but you don't have the right team to execute. Sometimes you might have a team to execute, but your idea is not such a great idea, or it's a very crowded space. Mm -hmm. So I like what you mentioned about doing the market analysis. And the market analysis is usually not just you and your family or you and your family and friends. I mean, real market analysis is actually getting a cross-section of the people that you're actually trying to sell to. And... Yes, it does take some money and resources to do that, but it's more of an investment because by doing it up front, you'll probably save uh, more doing more up front than the amount of money you're going to expend or time you're going to expend uh, trying to rework something later. Right. How often do you find people do need to rework their ideas? I would say that um, more often than not, that's just usually the case. I've worked with uh, various clients before and uh, maybe already even got their MVP out. But after the MVP, the feedback that we get is 
different from the original idea where we had to really revamp the original product. Uh, one example was a client of mine and they were doing this reverse auction. <laughs> uh, it was a good idea to get a marketplace started. But then still in a platform like that, it is only as useful as the number of people that you are going to get. Yes. Right. And the volume wasn't there. So we had to pivot and try to find or build something complementary to that, not fully replacing the reverse auction, but something that will actually scrape data from other sources to get people um, active on the platform. That's a good point. And one thing, uh, especially with the hype around the blockchain craze of the last few years, uh, as we talked about blockchain as the technology, so this is just an example. It applies to any other software as well. Blockchain in particular really did require um, a community of users in order to support the idea. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people got into it for the cryptocurrency craze, but you know, forget the cryptocurrency. Even to have a blockchain platform, um, hoping to create some type of value in the ecosystem, it required a community and it required usage. If you didn't have either of those, then there's really no point. And then I wanted to go back to the reverse auction because mm -hmm. uh, since I have no, no idea of your client or the use case, sometimes I would have thought about, well, there are other reverse auctions or reverse auction platforms out there. Would it have been better in this particular case to have jumped on one of those or was it still better to de develop your own? Well, in, in that case, we actually did leverage and license some platform that was already out there and we okay. just modified it for this purpose because in my industry what I also do with my clients is is it better to build or buy yes right and in many cases particularly if you're small if you can buy the components that you need and put them together in a certain way that brings up your idea that's great because you could save thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that just to get your MVP out yeah and that's really great advice same advice that we give is Build versus buy. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people, back to living the dream, think they need to build it themselves. If you spend a little bit of time learning how, what options are available to you, um, and the term white labeling or the mm -hmm. term uh, you know, using another's engine, all these things in the software development world could ultimately be to your benefit. Yes. And in fact, that's actually one of the things that we are really good at in integrating various different pieces of software through integrations and APIs, because sometimes you can actually make really great products just by combining a couple of different unrelated things together, and then you have a new product. All right. Well, this has been a really good time with Christian Wajaya, CEO of Jonah Joe Consulting. Um, I have not forgotten about talking about his game app that he developed with his kids. So don't go away. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. We'll be right back to hear more about Christian and his app. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Christian Wajaya, founder and CEO of Jonah Joe Consulting. They do application development. On this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to talk about something I just found about, which is called the No More Ransom Project. This is a free project that offers 
free tools on how to decrypt crypto locks. So just in summary, ransomware is when a malicious attacker or hacker somehow gets your system infected and they lock down your data so that you don't have access to it anymore. They can make it hidden, they can make it crypto jacked or crypto locked, and you have no idea how to get your data back without paying a ransom. And if you don't pay the ransom, they risk deleting your files and destroying all your data. So people freak out. We've heard of different cities and governments who've been victims by this. Well, this group and some new freeware tools are coming up to help people combat that. These are called free decryptors. There's also ransomware workarounds. And so a platform like No More Ransom Project is where they list all these tools so that if you are bold enough, you can attempt to do this yourself. Now, I personally wouldn't attempt to unlock your ransomware yourself unless you absolutely know what you're doing so you're highly technical. But now that these tools are out, I would feel comfortable going to a professional who might have experience with these tools and may be able to do it for you. So I think, as we've always seen in the tech industry, cyber criminals continue to push the envelope on what they can get away with. And there's always white hat hackers, the good guys, who are figuring out ways to get your data back, to keep you safe, and to defeat the existing types of criminal activity. So always be vigilant, and that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Christian Wajaya, who is the CEO of Jonah Jones Consulting. Welcome back, Christian. Thank you, Keith. So early in the show, we were talking a lot about Christian's background in such companies as Oracle, PayPal, Rocket Lawyer, being a senior engineer and really leading engineering teams before starting his consulting firm, Jonah Joe Consulting, who now helps other people live out their dreams. So thanks again, Christian. I wanted to go into now the flexibility you get when you do live the dream and you start your own company. Not only do you get to help out people with their products, you get to work on your own projects. That's right. Yeah. I want to talk about this particular project I'm really fond of. I, As I mentioned earlier, I went to Japan and I found this game that you can only find in museums called Juruk Musashi. It's a strategy game, a two-player strategy game where you move pieces uh, on a board and kind of like in a chess-like manner, mm-hmm. try to beat the other party. Right? So um, we enjoyed that game so much. And then I thought like, you know, it would be really great for our company to actually have a game in our portfolio because gaming is another really big industry. Absolutely. But actually to get into the gaming industry and even to think of an idea is really hard. So that's where this game came in. Um, we we developed a game. Um, it was a two-party game. And it actually took about a year. But we basically used our resources in between projects. So um, it didn't really cost us that much. And... Um, we designed the game, we uh, built it, and now it's uh, live on, on the App Store and Play Store. But I think what is really interesting about this game is that um, it was actually very popular 350 years ago in Japan. Okay. It, um, and we can still see it in old drawings and old paintings from that era. It's called the Edo era, 350 years ago. And uh, somehow, I guess in modern days, it ca- people have forgotten about it. Okay. And since we liked it so much, we thought, you know what, let's bring this up. So then uh, not only did we bring it up as a mobile game, um, we actually also created a physical version of it, a board game, 
uh, with with a you know it's in a box, and we actually are planning to put it on Kickstarter to launch a campaign and fund the physical version of this board game, and that's a totally new. Uh, Area for me, right? I've never built physical games before. So, so two questions. Yeah. First, um, can you explain what Kickstarter is? Yeah, sure. Kickstarter is a platform where you can launch products backed by investors, uh, investors who can pledge a certain amount of money, whether it is ten dollars or a hundred or whatever amount, mm-hmm. in order to reach a certain investment goal, right? And once you have that goal reached then you can launch your product. If you don't reach that goal, then everybody gets their money refunded and you won't do it. But it's been a really good platform for for new products to get into the market and kind of to 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 basically bootstrap ideas in in a very um, simple way. And I actually have friends who've who've launched their businesses that way. Oh, yeah. Uh, just as a reminder, I had Hugh Malazzi on about a year, year and a half ago. Hugh Malazzi and I worked together at Intuit where he was the uh, head of innovation. Mm-hmm. And then when he retired from Intuit, um, he wrote a book, at The Entrepreneur's Journey. And he had talked a lot about how he actually put it on Kickstarter to fund the development of his book. So Kickstarter is a great platform for all kinds of different ways to launch your idea. And one of the things also that uh, Kickstarter allows is depending on your funding level of an as an investor, you can get different perks. Sometimes you get discounts on the product or free products or other uh, gimmicks. So what I'm planning to do is once we put this board game on Kickstarter, we will provide incentives such as like extra uh, game credit or extra skins for, for the online game, uh, which they can get by getting the physical game or uh, different boards and different materials. No, that was my next question. My next question was, what's the relationship between the physical game and the digital game? Yeah, so I, I think that they can be complementary, right? Okay. Just just how you can play chess online, you can still play chess with, an, with a person live. And uh, we would like to revive the game in that form. Right? So not only can you play it with another person uh, in the living room, but also when you're in the train, on BART, or... Um, traveling, you still have a chance to play that game. Um, by the way, not only will you be able to play the game on your phone, but you will also be able to play the game with your friends mm-hmm. all over the world. So that was going to be another feature of the mobile game. That's great. And will it still be limited to Apple and Play, or are you going to put on other platforms as well? Well, it will basically be just available on iOS and Android, but I believe that that should be plenty for now. Yeah, yeah there's a lot enough users in that regard. Right. So definitely keep us up to date on what's happening with the game and say the name again. Jiroku Musashi. And it's available on iOS and on Android. So next I want to talk about your other project. Yeah. What I wanted to talk about today is this other project called Rentalios. And I kind of want to tell you a story about how we got to that project. You see, a, a, a lot of these projects that I'm doing now are because of problems that I face personally or <laughs> or um, definitely have an impact on me. So one of the things that you should know is that I'm also a real estate investor. I'm a landlord, and uh, some of the well, one of the things that I had struggled with before is to really estimate the price of a room to rent. Hmm. There are tools like Rentometer, 
and Zillow, where you can get these sort of price estimates, but they're only for whole homes and whole apartments. If you just wanted to rent out a room, and there are actually plenty of landlords that do that, and there are plenty of tenants who only want to rent a room, there's actually no tool available on the market for that. So that's where we came in. We created this tool, and we also used our knowledge of scraping, scraping of data, which we learned from our other projects, to basically get data from all over the U.S., the entire U.S., as well as certain parts of Asia, yep. and scrape all this room rental data, and we put this all on this platform called Rentalios. So right now, if you go to Rentalios, the website, rentalios.com, or even our, using our iOS app, you can just enter any address in the U.S., select what kind of room you want, like whether it's a private room with a private bath or not, and maybe guess what sort of rent you might want. You hit estimate, and within a few seconds, you'll get a report whether your estimate is somewhat within the range or not. And also, it will basically show you real comparables in the area of other rooms that are being rented which, uh, on which the price is based. Right, So you can actually look and click on these other homes and see, oh, this is what the rooms are renting for. So it's using real data. So that's also what makes the app more uh, credible. So then how do users find your app? How are they engaging with it? How do they pay for it? Well, actually, right now, we have uh, a free version of the app. Uh, for individuals, it's always free. Uh, we will also provide uh, paid reports later on with uh, more historical data and things that are maybe more appropriate for institutions or people who want to get a, a loan or something like that um, for appraisals. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can just go to rentalios.com and there you can find the app. You can actually use it right there online or you can download the iOS app from rentalios.com. And it's really just spelled rental iOS or rentalios. So what is your longer term vision for the app? My longer term vision here is actually to really make the market level for both tenants and landlords mm -hmm. so that something like pricing, pricing of a room is uh, it's easy to do for both parties. Because right now, if you want to know how much to rent a room for, the best thing for you to do is go online and look at maybe 10 different rooms and see, well, I guess it's around this price. But that could take you a while, and here it will just be done in seconds. Okay. And is there any application to uh, sharing sites like Airbnb? Uh, well, for for uh, this, this will basically just cover long-term rents okay. for the moment. Uh, for Airbnb, there are sites like AirDNA that already uh, does that sort of analysis. I just wanted to make sure. So it's, it's meant for long-term rentals. For long-term rentals, yes. That's great. So with just the last minute we have in this segment... Uh, how do they find your two applications again? Well, the best thing is just to go to jonajo.com mm -hmm. because that's my company's website. And from there, you'll be able to find links to any of our apps because we actually have at least six other apps in, uh, that we have developed in-house. Well, Christian, I really thank you for being on today's show. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be here. So once again, I have Christian Wajaya, who is the CEO of Jonah Joe Consulting. We've been talking about how he and his team help empower people develop their dreams and aspirations of developing their own technology applications. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. 
You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Don't go away because we'll be right back with more Christian on the Pivot. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. On today's show, I've had Christian Wajaya, who is the CEO of Jonah Joe Consulting. Earlier in the show, we talked about Christian's experience in enterprise companies such as Oracle, PayPal, and Rocket Lawyer before starting his own consulting firm, helping people develop their own applications. So now we're going to talk about the pivot. Thanks again, Christian. My pleasure, Keith. So I think a really relevant topic, especially when people are deciding to leave a corporate life, is if they're starting a company, can they successfully survive in a non-office environment? And I think uh, companies like Jonah Joe and ours are extreme examples of being able to successfully thrive without a physical office. That's a great question, Keith. And yeah, my answer for that would be absolutely yes. Now, if you're starting out uh, as a company, finances are tight and something like real estate is really tough in the Bay Area or anywhere if you're a small company, right? So one of the things that we have actually developed there is a mode of working where we are 100% remote. And we at, in the beginning, we were still trying to find an office. But then once we actually did this and it worked well, we decided, you know what? We actually don't really need an office. <laughs> and it worked out really well. Now, is there value to meeting in person in person? Absolutely. And we still do that. Uh, the way we do that is we still meet once about once a week at a co-working space just so that we can see each other, we can discuss certain things in person. And of course, if we need to meet one-on-one for other things, um, that, that can always be done, right? But this also allows us to um, not only work here, but also in other parts of, uh, of North America, right? So we are not just limited to the San Francisco Bay Area for our staff. Is your team mostly in Silicon Valley or is it spread out? It is actually spread out. And it's spread out um, all through North America, not just the United States, but also Latin America. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, especially with the concerns around things like the coronavirus, uh, we've heard Microsoft, Twitter, Google have all encouraged their employees as much as possible to work from home at least the next month or so. I can imagine that companies that already have this cadence around being completely remote it's something that's quite natural. Right, yeah. So when I saw that in the news as well, I thought, well, that's basically business as usual for us because we we, we just don't meet that one day in the office then. Um, but for us, we do, we have basically our daily scrum meetings, etc., on video conference through Google Hangouts and we just grab the phone really quickly and we are on Slack all the time. And so we use all the tools that are available these days just to operate really effectively remotely. And of course, one of the things that is always a great benefit for everyone involved over here is the lack of a commute because it is so great to not have to be in a car for an hour to two hours every day. That, that's one of the things I enjoy is not having to be in a car or be on BART where mm-hmm. when I was uh, executive at the bank, I was taking you know, door to door, it'd be an hour and a half every day, so uh, each way. Right. So uh, one thing I'd like to give a shout out to, and I don't have relationships, but my former company, Cisco, is offering free 90 days of WebEx right now. 
So you can go to Cisco.com and see how you can get a free account. I've also heard Google Hangouts is also uh, pretty much free for a certain period of time. I don't remember exact the length. And I also heard that Zoom, at least in China, is giving away their product completely free because normally with Zoom, the free version has a 40-minute um, cap on time. So they've released that limitation. So as of right now, these three major platforms all have various ways of using their products for free. Oh, great. That's good to know. So what are some other ideas you have on, now that your team gets the time back, mm-hmm. what are some of the creative ways they're using that time besides just enjoying that they don't have that commute? How have you found the productivity increase? All right. I've, I found productivity increase in a couple of different ways. Uh, first of all, because because we don't have this restriction of uh, commuting and uh, just do, uh, being just being able to do everything at home, uh, I find that people can be creative when they need to be, but they can also kind of relax and zone out when they need to be, right? Because we don't have the standard nine to five sort of office environment where you kind of have to be there even when you are not in the mood. Right. <laughs> and, and I think actually in the in the field like software development and design, people are creative and they need to have that uh, time to be creative, right? So um, I find that the the time limitations are much uh, blurred now. Now, for some people, you might say, oh, wait a minute, that hurts my work-life balance, but I actually don't think it that way. I do believe that if you happen to come up with a great idea and you happen to be in a movie theater or something, that sure, it's, it's fine that you can jot it down or something like that. And um, yeah, I, I think it's actually freeing rather than restricting in, in a way. Because you can basically do whatever you need to do wherever you are. Right. And so, Christian, just with the limited amount of time we have left, yeah. what's your advice for people in corporate who were thinking about jumping out and starting their own thing? What should they be thinking about in order to make that leap? I would suggest for them to think hard on what it is that they have been doing all along and that they do really well and turn that into a consultancy. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> And that's what I did too. And that's, that's awesome advice. So Christian, I want to thank you again for being on today's show. Christian Wajaya, who is the CEO of Jonah Jones Consulting. If you have any questions or comments about today's show or how to find out more about Jonah Joe Consulting, email us at info at You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thanks again. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN. 